Guys, welcome to the Beautiful Boxing Podcast. As you can tell from my tone of voice, I've literally just listened to the Eddie Hearn announcement around who he expects to be fighting at Matchroom Fight Camp. Like, really, just fucking fight crap, isn't it? That's exactly what he gave us. But let's not pretend we're surprised by this. And I say that for a number of reasons. One, I, one, I made this prediction. and They wouldn't be ready in July. And the earliest they could expect to start was August. But then that brings in the, the changeable British weather. I don't think in four weeks we'll be having the 30-odd the degrees that we're having now. I think it will rain. It'll be a washout. And it will be that chastening blow that Hearn has always needed. It, it will take us back to the Steve McLaren era of literally the Wally with the Broly. And we're just waiting for our Eddie Hearn Wally with the Broly moment. And hopefully August will give us that. So there are a number of things I don't really understand about the card. And I don't just want to poo-poo the card without having some logic behind it. I thought that the delays were due to the fact that maybe Hearn would try and get his American guys over your Amo Williams you know I, I know Devin Haney's a bit of a push at the moment but guys like your Amo Williams your Nkosi Solomon if he's still got him even a Jesse Vargas for example you need Danny Jacobs but I don't know who he would fight I thought he was going to bring some people over like I thought he had something in the bag that was going to blow us away and what it turned out was he had that moment of realization his stable's not that strong. Now, I know they're keeping some of their guys on ice, so Okoli will be on ice until a world title shot can be secured, and I'd expect that to be, to be Glavatsky, that's how you say his name, so I can understand that. Joshua was never going to fight. I predict Joshua will fight the first weekend in November, or maybe the 29th of October. He'll fight around Halloween is when I expect Joshua to fight. Um, I might be miles off on that, but that's the date that I've been given. So take that for what you will. That was the date I was given, round about Halloween. But just looking at this, so Hearn's given us four cards. I think there are 20 bouts scheduled over the course of August. Now there are two things that annoy me about this. One, will be the inevitable clash with Frank Warren. Now, Frank is delivering far better fights. We can't even have that discussion. Frank's fights, if you think about what Hearn's trying to sell now, domestic dust-ups, 50-50s, Frank's been doing that. And Frank's been building up his guys towards this point. So this is Frank's time to shine. And there's nothing Hearn can really do about it. That's why he's having his, his fights in his back garden. Although I think that's going to come back to bite him when the weather kicks in. So if you take weekend number one, 1st of August, the main event is Sam Eggington versus Ted Cheeseman. Now, just can you imagine the build-up to that? I'm going to ask you as fans, what are you excited about when you hear Eggington versus Cheeseman? And I know someone's going to say, Ah, here are two guys who just block punches with their face. It's going to be an absolute war. Fine. Okay, fine, I get it. But where are they going? 
Where's Eggington going? Eggington's a failed Barry Hearn project. Cheeseman's a failed Eddie Hearn project. Like, they clearly checked out of these guys' careers a long time ago, and this is what I call a cannon fodder fight. Just, we're doing this because we have to, you're doing this because you need a few quid, and that's all there is to it. You know, you got guys, guys like Dawson Smith, I'm neither here nor there, let him fight where he wants and let him get his experience. So, good luck to him. James Tennyson, I still don't really know who he is. And I don't want any hardcores going, if you're really a boxing fan, you should know. These aren't people we care about because their careers are going nowhere. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. If Hearn really wanted their careers to be going somewhere, they wouldn't be fighting on this show. Rest assured. Fabio Wardley versus Simon Valili. Um... That's an interesting fight, and I'll tell you why. Simon Valili has all the experience in the world. You know, one of the class of 2008 in terms of when he really came to prominence, but he's kind of fallen off since, and he's just kind of middled around in boxing. But he's a name. And Fabio Wardley's the exact opposite, a kid who came from nowhere and is trying to make a name for himself. And it's not really a crossroads fight, but it's definitely an identity fight for, for Fabio Wardley. And if he can get past this then he might have a future in the sport. And I have nothing against Fabio Wardley. I like the guy. Really nice kid. He's doing what he can with what he's been given. And you can't disrespect that. So you've got to say good luck to the kid. But it's not a fight where you're like, I'm staying in to watch this. <laughs> and then you've got Reese Bellotti versus Jordan Gill. I <laughs> there's a time when these two probably could have fought like and it would have been an interesting fight I think Reese has taken a couple of losses Jordan's taken a loss we now realize these guys are probably guys who will fight for British titles Commonwealth titles and that's probably it another cannon fodder fight and I don't like saying that because Reese Bellotti's from a really good boxing family so obviously his older brother Spencer people know about him but he's got a younger brother, Chris, who could really go as well. Uh, he might have been definitely the more tenacious of the brothers. Maybe not blessed with as much power, but he could definitely go as well. But it's a shame that this is what it's become. You know, you, you're starting to see the decline of that gym, the, the McDonald's stable. Now that the gale's gone, you know, the cupboard's pretty bare. All that kind of, that, that whole Essex fight factory thing dying on its ass now. Like they don't have the talent coming through. But that's not just them. I think it's a problem in boxing in general. But AC, August 1st, if you're married, take your wife out. Book that restaurant, social distance from the rest of the world. Yeah, just remember why you fell in love with her. Or if you're married to your husband, remember why you fell in love with him. Don't stay in for this. Don't waste your time. Really don't waste your time. This is a, this is a fight card that will be more entertaining on BoxRec than it will be on Sky Sports. So here's where I get confused. And here's where I don't understand. You're trying to make a bang. You're trying to make a statement. You're trying to make an announcement. So you give us the, probably the dullest card on the first weekend. And then your next card, which looks a lot more interesting and probably one that I'd sit down and watch, all of a sudden, you're giving me that on a Friday. Like the disrespect you're showing the people on fight camp week number two. 
where you've got Hopi Price, you've got Anthony Fowler, you've got Terry Harper, you've got Chris Billum-Smith. I mean, you've got everyone that you need on that. I mean, you've got... That's a better card than the first one. And I know I was pretty hard on the first card, but this one, if ever Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas were going to headline a card, I'm happy it's this one. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm saying that for this one important reason. All eyes will be on them. And if you're going to sell women's boxing, this fight has to be a cracker. Because if this is a stinker, I don't see there being any hope for women's boxing. Here you have... Terry Harper, you know, I know that idiot Steffi Ball will try and portray her as this you know, dirt tracker who clawed her way up, but Terry Harper could box as an amateur. Don't, don't, don't get it confused. Terry Harper could box. Terry Harper can still box. She's talented. Natasha Jonas goes without saying, super talented. And it's just about who's got that, that toughness, who's, got that, who's robust for the 10-2 for the rounds. It's a good fight. I'm going to give, I'm going to give the, the show's due. That's a good fight. Um, in terms of the rest of the card, I'm still quite sold. You know, Hopi Price, let's see how good he really is. In terms of Fowler, I legit don't see why they don't just put Fowler in at middleweight. Just let's stop the pretense, put Fowler in at middleweight, whack him in with Felix Cash for that Commonwealth belt or whatever. Just put him in there. I think... We're, we're pretending otherwise, but that makes perfect sense to me. Um, in terms of Chris Smith versus Nathan Thorley, um, good fight. The reason I say that is Chris isn't a massive cruiserweight, so he's not a guy that walks around at 105, 106 kilos and then boils down. Chris is probably a guy that walks around 92, 93 and probably makes cruiserweight easy. Nathan Thorley's a big guy, roughly the same height. I remember him more as a light heavy. So he's probably a tweener as well. So someone who really has to boil down to 175. So he'll probably walk around naturally in the high 80s, low 90s. So they can probably meet somewhere. And God, God willing, it's an entertaining fight because that's what we need. That has to be an entertaining fight. Uh, I think Chris wins that one. But... I want to be entertained. And, and they're really the only fights you want to really talk about on that card because it's a good card, like just for the, the, three, the three main events on there. I get where they're going with that one. And I do want to see a female fight showcased that sits on its own merits. I think a lot of times we need Adam Smith to, to sell it to us. I just want these two to go in there you just bang out. Just bang out, winner takes all. But at least we've we've shown that women's boxing is definitely here to stay. Yeah, oh. oh, man. Felix Cash versus Jason Wellborn when you've got Fowler on the week before. That doesn't make any sense to me. That really... That shows... Do you know what that's like? That's like... And we've all done this. You got about a quarter of your innocent apple and mango left, right? But you know you need at least half a liter to keep, I mean, just to stay hydrated. And you just water it down. That's really what Hearn's done with his stable here. He's just gone, 
I don't have many people who know what the fuck they're doing. So I need to just spread this out as far as I can because the stable is, as I say in Scotland, pash. This is a dross card. This is, this is, this is absolute, absolute dross. Love Shannon Courtney, still building fights. She needs a fight now that's going to test her. I'm not sold that this is going to be the one. Zulfa Barrett, he left Frank for a reason. He, he wasn't what we thought he'd be, which is a shame because he looked the part. But I just think Hearn will find out what Frank did, that there's a, there's a ceiling to Zulfa. But actually, Zulfa's probably of a caliber that would sit well in this match from stable as it stands. Jason Welborn versus Felix Cash. I, Jesus. Jesus. That's a, that's a headline fight, yeah. Think about it. It's a headline fight. Jesus. And then Kieran Conway versus Nav Mansouri. I met Nav Mansouri in my bay. A really nice guy. Um, no issue with him. No issue with Kieran Conway. I mean, let these guys eat. Like, let them get a living. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe a bit of holiday money. I don't know. But that's, that's a transactional fight. They're just going to fight to entertain. Fair play to them. And then John Dock. I hear great things about John Dock, but now's the time for him to kick on. Uh, I know Big Donald Smith speaks highly of him. You know, I think that's, you know, that's a glowing endorsement, but untested as far as I'm concerned. So let's see what John Dock can do. You know, but I'm still optimistic on him. So let's see what happens. So then we come to the main event. We've all been waiting for this one. What will Hearn give us as fans? What will Hearn give DeZone as his masters? And what will he give Sky as his paymasters? And we get August the 22nd. Now, I thought the headline fight was Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. That would make perfect sense. Both big names, both have been on pay-per-view before. But you look at the post and it has Katie Taylor at the front. Like, what kind of disrespect is that to show to Dillian White? Why would Hearn disrespect Dillian White? Like, he's never done this before. Katie Taylor has no opponent for August 22nd right now. They're talking about Serrano. But if, if Hearn's true to his word and the boxers control the budget, I don't see why Dillian would pay for Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano. When Dillian has fighters he looks after that he'd love to get on this card. So I'm still not convinced Katie Taylor fights on that card. Because if Katie Taylor fights on that card, that's not a Dillian White decision. That wouldn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you have your guys on there? He knows his guys need the money, so why wouldn't you do that? That would tell you that this is a Hearn decision because what were they saying? Amanda Serrano wants 200 grand to fight Katie Taylor. 200 grand in a lockdown for Amanda Serrano, who nobody really knows. A woman who I suspect is probably doping. This, I mean, she's doping silly and People just don't test because, quite frankly, these doping authorities don't take women's boxing seriously, although they should. In fact, I'd test both of them because I don't think either of them is clean. That's just an opinion. It's not a statement. It's an opinion. But the disrespect to Dillian to have Katie Taylor in front, like, is, is Coogan going to ask Eddie how that works? Because I'd be disrespected. How are you going to go around and say, yeah, guys, look, I'm fighting. 
And they go, okay, why, why is Katie Taylor in front of you on your own, on your own show, on your own promotion? That doesn't look great to me. That really doesn't look good. But we've got Chris Congo versus Luther Clay. And that has a bit more appeal. Now, I think it's well known that Luther's trying to drop the weight because he's going to make 147. I give him roughly probably, what, seven weeks? If he's, if he's close to weight now, then he's got seven weeks to train. That's enough. Chris Congo's in good shape, you know, probably always is in good shape. And he's ready, and he's got a point to prove. In fact, both guys have a point to prove. So that's a fight. Yeah, I'd want to watch that. That's the sort of fight that should be on a pay-per-view card. I'm 100% on board with that. Katie Taylor, without an opponent, should never be on the promotion material for a pay-per-view because that just means you don't know what the F you're doing. And I think you've embarrassed Dillian White and you've disrespected Dillian White by doing that. And that's a real shame. The other fight on there is Sergey Kuzmin versus Martin Bacoli. Now, <sighs> it's tricky. Bacoli's an enigma. You, you look at Bacoli's record and you go, there's some respectable wins on his record. Right? There, there's no questioning that. There's no debating that. There's some, there's some, he has that kind of CV that he should have probably fought for a European. Why he's being held back, I don't understand. He would have been a good blocker instead of Dillian. I think he would have been a good blocker up that WBC route because he can clearly capture names, right? But we've got that Michael Hunter loss. And the thing about that Michael Hunter loss wasn't the fact that he lost to Michael Hunter. It was the capitulation. And... As much as people don't want to talk about it, that, that Billy Nelson relationship doesn't look like it's healthy for him. Being an Airdrie doesn't look like it's healthy for him. But we need to just hit the lay-by for a second. And we need to ask ourselves, when they do the build-up to this, if they do their e-press conference or whatever it is, is somebody going to ask about Martin Bacoli posting up child pornography? Or are we just going to pretend that didn't happen? Or that he was hacked? Because that's not something that sits well in the boxing community. But on a pure boxing fight, Kuzmin versus Bacoli, roughly two sorts of guys who, who have a name but don't necessarily have a breakout win yet. And then, yeah, I can on a pay-per-view card, yeah, I get that because... They've been on pay-per-view cards before. Well, Kuzmin definitely has been. So that week four is okay. Now, you charge me £20 for that, I might be a bit annoyed. You charge me a tenner for that, I'll pay. Because, quite frankly, I quite, I quite like the idea of Dillian versus Povetkin, Battle of the Left Hooks. Two guys who aren't necessarily going to be the most mobile. Pretty tough men, both of them. I'd like it to be like the Joseph Parker fight. If Dillian delivers that, then once again, he has delivered. But overall, it's an underwhelming set of cards. And it shows that far from being a power broker in boxing, Hearn's in crisis mode. Because I don't think even having the American guys could have saved him. Because let, let's start with obvious questions. Where's Kell Brook? Where's Kell Brook? Where's Cam Smith? Where's Billy Joe? Where are all of these guys that are meant to be signed to his stable 
And when you need revenue and you need to kickstart the sport, none of them are there. You're scraping the barrel. And I know people say, ah, he's waiting till the crowds arrive. We don't know when that will be. Now, one of the things I have heard is if there is a second spike, there won't be another lockdown. But they will shut down live events and mass gatherings. So you'll still be able to go to work and stuff, but events, mass gatherings, they'll just shut those down again. So boxing's in perennial risk of being shut down as a spectator sport. So you just have to make hay while the sun shines. So fair play to the guys taking the risk now. It's just a shame Hearn hasn't got a stronger stable. But this is the legacy of Hearn refusing to invest in talent. He refuses to invest in talent and he behaves like a magpie. The next shiny thing he sees on social media, he has to sign. He signed a lot of guys in America that have social media profiles without necessarily having the, the pedigree that a lot of British guys do. But they're shiny and they're foreign, so he goes with them. And now he's paying the price. Hard to feel sorry for a guy like that. You know, this is where hubris gets you. But I want to come back to Dillian because you have to feel for him. He's caught in this no man's land where he's built himself up. And I was there at the Camden Center when, you know, he was just the guy we remember from Miguel's. We were there and we all bought tickets and we supported because Dillian, Dillian was South London. Like we, we knew Dillian. We knew him from the, the shiny jacket days. We knew, we know Dillian. And like, like as a person, as a character, we know Dillian. We didn't think it would get to this. No one did. Because there were people saying Dillian couldn't beat Dominic Akinladi. So for Dillian to go from that to where he is now is incredible. Without having the machine and the system behind him. It's all self-made. And that is fantastic. And for her to take that drive, that enterprise, that courage, that bravery. And merely use him as a blocker is a massive insult to Dillian. And I'll explain what I mean. If you go back to round about 2015, just after Fury, well, no, probably just before Fury was fighting Vladimir, go and watch any Hearn interview. They were pushing Joshua up that WBC line because they thought Wilder was the weaker champion. They thought that was an easy belt to take. At the time, they thought whether Fury wins or Vladimir wins, it's a fight we're not ready for. So Fury wins. And when Fury wins, they're still talking about we'll fight Fury further down the line. We're not ready for that yet. We're on our own journey. We're going to go down this WBC route. If we win that, we'll unify. That was the message. Couple of shenanigans, quick move. Charles Martin has the belt. Time to pivot. Anthony, come out that WBC line, go straight into this IBF line. Charles will pay you for voluntary. Come on, put that money up done now joshua's got that belt now the plan is we can get all these other belts as fury is slowly imploding we can get all these other belts as we start to see wilder mature and become better he becomes more of a threat but you're still thinking we're going to come back for that belt later ideally with someone from our own stable so they put dillian in that lane 
And they said, we want you to fight for that belt. Josh is going to take care of these belts. At the end, you two are going to meet for all the marbles. And Matchroom get all the money. But you're playing a game with guys like Al Heyman and Bob Arum and the Doovers and people who have seen this before. So everyone made their chess moves. And kept Deontay in position. Kept him in position for a long time until Fury dethroned him. And that left Hearn with a dilemma where you say, well, how do I keep Dillian happy and on site? I'm making my second pay-per-view star after Joshua in terms of ranking. And Dillian makes good money. He gets good deals based on that. He gets really good deals. I've seen, I've seen one of the contracts. And so I know that these deals are pretty good. And they're, they're performance related, but they're good. And no, I mean, Dillian deserves it. He put the work and he took the risks when others haven't. And so, as I've explained in the previous podcast, once Wilder didn't have the belts anymore, the role of blocker becomes irrelevant. Now, now you're stuck. You're like, well, what do we do with Dillian now? The Fury thing won't happen. Bob doesn't really need that. He can make bigger fights for Fury with his own guys and he can make those American base. Remember, People forget this. Tyson doesn't have a British boxing license. He gave it up. Tyson Fury can only fight in America. And I, think, I do think Dillian's a Vegas fighter, but he's not a Bob Arum guy and he's not an Al guy. So it's a hard sell. And they're not going to help Eddie. So Dillian's now in a position where he might have to sign one of the American promoters. Because they'll push him to get the fight with Joshua. It's in their interests to get all of those belts back under American control. So Dillian's in that really interesting position. There's horns of a dilemma. The British money's easy because he's Dillian and he'll always sell well in the UK. So that, that's relatively easy work for him. But if he's about legacy now, I think you've got to sign with Bob or you've got to sign with Al. You could even sign with Oscar. I think they'll, they'll do deals with anyone who's not Eddie Hearn. And it's something I've said to Dean White before. And I like Dean. I think Dean's doing some good things in boxing. And Dean's showing that sometimes the outsiders understand the game better than the insiders. So keep doing your thing, Dean. I'm, you know, I'm a big fan. And he, if he listens to this, then he'll understand where I'm coming from. Dillian's, what, 30, 29, 30, somewhere around that. If you're, not, if you're not building your legacy fights in the next two years, when are you going to do it? Because then you need to start cashing out. That's when you're going to have to start cashing out. That's when you'll probably see a Joshua fight, 2022, 2023, when it's time to cash out. But at the moment, you've got to build your legacy, and I think you do that in America. I just do, like Nigel Ben did. You get four fights in America, build your name, your legacy, and now all of a sudden we're calling for you to fight Joshua. I think as long as you're in the UK, Hearn will always brief against you in relation to Joshua. But you need someone who's going to talk about you as if you're Joshua's equal. That's what Dillian needs, and I don't think he's getting that at the moment. And this is a lesson for all people in boxing. Don't get used by a promoter. Because Hearn does it. He did it with Luis Ortiz. did it with Amir Khan. He does it with so many people where he just he gets them in just so that they can't cause havoc elsewhere. You know, 
That's why he has so many heavyweights at the moment. He doesn't know what to do with them. That's why none of them move forward. But no, today, in summary, today's been a really underwhelming day. And I think the real winner out of today is probably Frank Warren. Because Frank got his names out first. He got the buzz. He got the energy. He, he owns that excitement. And then he hit us with the new date for Dubois Joyce. So we know where Frank's headed. Eddie looks like he's on the back foot a bit. And I don't feel good. I don't feel bad about it. But he does have to up his game because this isn't what Eddie Hearn was selling us when he was telling us he's the best guy doing boxing in this country. Do you remember when he said that dumb comment about he, he's completed boxing? <laughs> there you go. But look, guys, I'm going to duck out. Have a fantastic weekend if you listen to this over the weekend. And I think there'll be one more episode before the break. Thank you. Take care.